Hello. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. You know what I was listening back to? What? Our repost episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there, I think it was for Jeff the Mongoose, where I was going to say your name instead of my own. <laughs> and I almost legitimately just did it now because I had been listening to that a couple days ago. I feel like I would just go with it or I'd just laugh. I think you would have just laughed, but I my my. If you're like I'm Shannon, I'd be like I, I'm Emma, <laughs> and everyone gets confused. You're like, wait a second, talk about an April Fool's Day. Ooh, we'll just put that in the pocket. <laughs> I want that sound effect. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, well, hello, friends. We are two best friends who like to talk about all manner of unsolved, a uh, spooky things. Um, it's sometimes. Spooky. Sometimes they're not as spooky. Sometimes they are. Uh, sometimes too much. Sometimes too much. But this week, y'all, is Shannon's birthday week. The day, the, the week is that this though? goes out. Isn't it? No. When is it? It comes out the 17th. Oh. It's just St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Never mind. St. Patrick's Day is close enough to her birthday. Yeah. It's great. And then you have a birth. You have you have a uh, birthday episode for yourself. Amazing. Let's just make this a month about Shannon. We already have. She did hers last week. We've got we've got Brittany. I, mean, I didn't really have a choice. I had to do one last week. <laughs> well, but she did Brittany last week. You know her her it's usual Brittany, her usual canon of like I want for airy season. Honestly. Amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I misspoke. However, I did. Okay. I'm I did, the keeper of the spreadsheet. She is, and I don't. <laughs> Look at it. Um, I but I did this. I did this topic with you in mind. It's true, and I don't listen to things right when they come out. That's true. So, so ostensibly, we get this one. It's a lucky weekend. It's great. great, and then I can listen to it leading up to my birthday or on my birthday, and then we get another episode right before we're celebrating my birthday. Yeah, exactly. Another episode on the twenty fourth. Yeah. Although I did mess up, I could have done leprechauns, and it would have been on St. Patrick's Day. Well. But- you know what, guys? Sometimes things just don't <laughs> work out go. the way that you want them to. So instead... It's okay. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Also... Drink water. Yeah. Where's your water bottle? Drink it. Jenna, <gasps> Diet Dr. Pepper doesn't count. It's not water. I'm only calling you out specifically because you talked to me about the show. This is what happens. Oh, maybe that'll keep people from talking to us about the show. If I'm oh, like, if you talk to us, maybe. I'll call you out. <laughs> but if you, if you, if you want to talk to us and you aren't a direct friend, feel free to go to our website at thispodcastdoesnexist.com. And you can find a button there that says write in, and you can send us a message and let us know how we're doing, how you doing, and <laughs> how you doing? all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, there, We have our socials and our episodes and our transcripts up there too, so go check it out. Go hang out there and see what we're about. And you know what else? Yeah. B-I-N-G-O. We can go play. You can go play bingo. Blank. Blango. You, you can go play blango. <laughs> it's like bingo, but she used diamonds. <gasps> oh. Blango. <laughs> blango. I want to make that now. Um, Hasbro dibs. <laughs> dibs. Mattel dibs. <laughs> we were in tar- Well, not together. I was in Target yesterday. You were in Target today. I was. There's a Target Monopoly that comes with tiny baskets. Oh my god, I want it. And our friend Sarah Strunk almost bought it for the tiny baskets. And we were like, maybe just go on Etsy and find tiny baskets. Okay, that's a good idea. However, I would like to play Target Monopoly. Okay. Uh, I mean, 
cousin Dana collects Monopoly <gasps> and Uno. Dana. So I'll have to see. Let's go Monopoly. When we go for McCarthy Day, I'll scope out her collection. Great. Sounds good. Family, I don't even know if any of you listen to the podcast, but if you do, don't tell Dana. (laughs) And Dana, if you're listening. Forget that we said that. This podcast doesn't exist. So don't, 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 don't worry about it. Well, it's birthday month. In light of your birthday, I chose a topic that I thought you would like. What I really did was I typed in expedition unsolved. (laughs) What a good show. Expedition Unknown is an incredible show. I love that show. And I used to watch it all the time. Uh, Yeah, it's great. But I remembered a topic from Expedition Unknown. Is it a boat? Nope. Is it a mountain? Nope. Uh, Are books involved? Gold is. Ooh. So. Blango. Blango. (laughs) We've got the Outback today we're headed all the way over to australia that's not how you say it get your yummy rolls and your fancy butter and let's go to to outback oh i see (laughs) i was so confused i was like i didn't know australia was known for their rolls and their butter i thought that was maybe ireland uh, look (laughs) the irish butter very good worth the money um i can't speak Mm. to the to the quality of the bread products in australia but yeah. Outback has really good bread. Yeah, they do. From my memory. I haven't been I haven't in, been in, in a very like... long... You know what? There is one not far from here. Should we go to Outback? Why not? <laughs> All right. Anyway. Let's make this a short episode. Great. We're going to go to Outback, you guys. It is very much not real Australian food, but that's fine no. with us and our American palates. The Outback is scary. Yes, it is. And we're going to talk about it. Which is great. I can't wait to learn about it because I don't want to go. <laughs> well, there might be unknown gold to be had in the outback Mm. just waiting to be found Mm -hmm. so a little bit of background just so that we're aware of the area the desert of central australia is not for the faint of heart Mm -mm. besides the fact that every animal in australia is about three times the size that it should be a dingo ate my baby is exactly The region itself can be reduced to the town of Alice Springs and its surrounding areas or expanded to the whole of mostly uninhabited inland Australia. So the way that Australia is broken up is mostly in like kind of rectangular quadrants almost. I think Uh there's about four. And central Australia includes Alice Springs and a bit of the coast at the very top of Australia. But it is very dry. Uh, It does receive some rain during the summer months, but the majority of the time it is dry and dusty and hot because it's a desert. Mm -hmm. And because of this, most of the outback isn't largely populated. There are aboriginal groups that are in the central Australia area, but there aren't a lot of permanent. Yeah, there aren't a lot of permanent populations because with aboriginal groups, for the most part, they move based on seasons. Gotcha. So around the 1930s, the gold rush hit the western coast of the continent. Mm -hmm. The draw of gold was too good for those suffering from the economic crash, and many headed west for their fortunes. Others, however, wondered if the uncharted center of the continent held the key to their wealth. So the big big depression... (laughs) No, that's what that's, that's what I call every winter. <laughs> the Great Depression. <laughs> the big depression. <laughs> the big depression. Oh man, I want like a like a national park style like crew neck. 
with that kind of art from like the 70s. And it's like a white like t-shirt and like black sleeves. The the big depression. That's the name of our baseball team. (laughs) Can you picture us playing against the Savannah Bananas? Our our mascot our mascot is a is a Zoloft. No, no, no. It's like, it's like, you know how the nationals have like yeah. the presidents yeah, the or president the, the senators, like multiple. So we'll just have like one is the Lexapro. Lexapro. Xanax. I love this for us. Great. This sounds great. We can sell popcorn in oversized prescription bottles. I like that now we have a stadium, a home stadium. Yeah, dream big, baby. It's airy season. Almost. When you listen to this, it's Almost. like in a couple days. It will be, the, it will be here soon. <laughs> okay, okay, it's okay. It's coming, the big depression. It's coming, the big depression. <laughs> we get the voiceover guy from the movies. It's coming. You're never ready for it. Get ready to eat a lot of ramen noodles. The big depression this winter coming and every winter. coming to a home near you. You can't run. You can't hide. It's the big depression. <laughs> circus, circus, Afro, circus, Afro, 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 Afro. Okay, that's a deep cut. <laughs> if you weren't on Tumblr between the years, I'm crying. <laughs> you remember that meme that we posted when your friend says something that like says something incorrectly and it's the funniest thing you've ever heard in your life? We just expand upon it every time. It's called committing to the bit. I thought you were gonna say it's called committee, <laughs> like comedy. <laughs> comedy. Oh, man. Wow. All right. All right. Um, well, so not, uh, during the Great Depression, what happened? <laughs> so during the Great Depression, <laughs> everyone is big sad because they don't have any money. <laughs> You've heard of Big Sur. Get ready for Big Sad. That's the other t-shirt. I love it. Big Put sad. Put it on the merch. I love it. Okay. <laughs> the Great Depression. We all know it. We don't love it. <laughs> All the history teachers in the in the room are like, yeah. we have to get off this bullet point. I'm sorry. No, it's just so funny. I can't. Oh my gosh. Can okay. you tell we've been cooped up in the house all day? Truly, with only each other for company. I mean, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> we love you guys as yeah. well. You all. You all. All y'all. All y'all. Guys, gals, non-binary pals. Shout out to y'all. Mm. Okay. So. The western coast of Australia, gold heavy. Everyone is making their way there to try and make their money. West so th- coasts, man. I mean, it, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, I guess it's just like a thing. The west coast just has gold. I mean, Denver, in the middle of Denver, also was like started as like during the gold rush during that point, which is why people thought maybe during this time, the middle of the continent mm-hmm. might potentially hold some gold. Mm-hmm. So in Saunters... Lewis Harold Bell Lassiter. Wow. Self-educated, well-spoken, eccentric, and very opinionated. Love it. Is he single? Mm, you don't want him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's I'm going to be the best friend for for a second. I'm going to get I'm going to put my 
best friend big pants on and be like, let's like, not. Veto. I would I like mean, to veto. I would like to veto this. So he actually has a lot of names. Oh. Lewis Hubert Lassiter, Harold Bell, Lewis Lassiter, Harry, Daz, Possum. He liked variety. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to call him Lassiter. Is he a criminal? Is that why? It It's uncertain whether or not oh, he is. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know why we're in the South when we're in, supposed to be in Australia. It's just two. It's just two old white women sitting on a porch rocking with iced tea and fans. Nar. <laughs> no, now we're mermaids. I can't, I can't. Cleo! Cleo! No! Emmer! <laughs> so I'm just going to call him Laster for you know, I like it. ease. But yeah. he did technically have two, like specifically two legal names. Mm. So he's got, again, he liked variety. Okay. Born in country Victoria in 1880, he enlisted twice. Country Victoria? That's how they refer to the, like, ca- like they're not counties. Oh, okay. So, like, and you know how, like, in in Canada, they're provinces? Uh-huh. So it would be... We are geographical experts on this podcast. I, that is as much as I could gather. Um, Victor, if you would like to let me know if I am correct, hit me up, baby. That's my husband, y'all. <laughs> it's hit not, me up, Victor. Hit me up, baby. All right, so... He enlisted twice in the first Australian Imperial Force during the First World War. In 1916, he was joining reinforcements in Melbourne, but was discharged before the battalion even had the chance to leave Australia for going AWOL too many times. He just was like, bye. In 1917, he enlisted and again was discharged before leaving Australia, but this time for being medically unfit for service. He had been in a brawl that had laid him very low. So he had just gotten in a bar fight and they were like, you can't be in the army anymore. Steve Rogers behavior right there. (laughs) Yeah. Lassiter eventually moved to the U.S. for a little while to get married and become a Mormon, returning to Australia to live in South Sydney with his new wife and two daughters. At some point, he divorced and got married again and had another three kids. He was a maintenance man and a carpenter, and in 1929 claimed that he was the original designer of an arch bridge for Sydney Harbor and solicited payment for the six months of labor spent on it. He failed to get his money. This is a bit of a precursor of who Lasseter is. Okay. So he was around five foot three with brown eyes, and the following is from the State Library of New South Wales. Quote, he was described as a little nuggety fellow. I love that phrase. Same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, darkish complexion, flat, chubby face with no nose bridge. He was partly bald and his scalp showed many deep scars. Oh. He was a man of jumbled moods and never quite happy. His special pastime was singing hymns all set to one tune. End quote. Interesting. So, like, he liked variety, but he only knew one song. So <laughs> he'd sing different words, all but... Right. Cool. It would be all the same music. So on October 14th, 1929, Lassiter wrote to a federal member for Kalgoorlie, where the current gold rush was happening, that he wanted to develop the mining and agricultural industries by revisiting a, quote, vast gold-bearing reef in central Australia, end quote, that he had discovered 18 years earlier. This project would include the mining of gold and development of the area as he was a, quote, competent surveyor and prospector, end quote, 
and could do a survey of the 800-mile route that a water pipeline would have to expand from the Gascoigne River. With a capital of 5 million pounds, the state and federal governments could share the cost and eventually develop the area as the gold was mined. He sent a similar letter to the Western Australian Minister for Mines and a few other officials. The chairman for the Development and Migration Commission and a geologist interviewed Lassiter a month after the letters and were put off by the fact that he claimed the reef was vaguely located near the western edge of the McDonnell Ranges, which was very indistinct because they're vast. Mm. The government decided to take no action. So after all his effort of writing these letters... His hand was so tired. So tired, uh, In March of 1930, Lassiter approached John Bailey of the Australian Workers' Union and told him about the reef, but his discovery story came from when he was 17, 33 years earlier. He said he had been traveling west from Queensland to the gold fields on the western side of the continent when he came across a huge gold reef in the border between the Northern Territory and Western Australia. It was about 700 miles west of Alice Springs towards Kalgoorlie, so west. And that is when his horse had died. He was found in the desert by an Afghan camel driver who took him to a surveyor's camp. Joseph Harding, the surveyor, listened to the 17-year-old Lassiter's story of the gold reef and had him take him there. Whether this happened directly after his appearance or three years later is conflicting. Whichever the case, they rode out and tried to fix the location, but they couldn't because their watches were inaccurate. He eventually became obsessed with finding it. So the way that they would fix the location would be how, f- like, the distance, and they needed to make sure that the watches were matched up so that there was no conflicting, like, it is this direction, 17, you know, hours or whatever. I'm making stuff up. But, like, in that way, they would right. be able to fix the it location. a radius. Yeah. And they'd be able to tell you at on this date where the sun is, like, you know, western, all the cardinal directions that I don't actually know. Sorry, Todd. <laughs> he, he gets so he gets so confused as to why I don't understand cardinal directions. And I'm like, I understand them. I just can't tell you what they are where I'm standing. I know the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. That's all I got for you. Yeah. But then it's never eat soggy worms. Yeah, but I'm 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 not saying that I don't know like what the directions look like if I'm looking at them on a map. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are if I'm standing in the middle of the city and he's like, which way is east? So well, depending on the time of day, you can kind of guess depending on where the sun is. If it rises I under in the east. I understand that I can't do that. We've already I already have a bad sense of direction as it is. I know. It's not going to get any better. For reasons we we would not <laughs> succeed on the Amazing Race. No, you'd say go right. I'd turn left and go what? Things that have literally happened in a not time crunch situation. Yeah, where a million dollars was not on the line. Yeah, it's okay. I love you anyway. Thanks. I love you too. So Lassiter told John Bailey that for the last three decades, he had been trying to raise enough interest in the expedition to the harsh interior, but with fortunes being made on the West Coast already with gold, no one saw the reason to risk an expedition to an unknown area that might have gold. No one, it seems, except Bailey, who knew how to get the money and pull together the men to find it. The lure of gold during the Great Depression caught the attention of a few other men, and they formed Cage 
the Central Australian Gold Exploration Expedition. In July of 1930, the crew left with Lassiter as the guide and Fred Blakely as the leader, with a prospector, an engineer, a driver, a governor general's aide to act as an explorer in an official capacity, and a pilot for the airplane they had secured. This is big Atlantis vibes. Yeah. Everybody has a job. It's my favorite. Yep. The expedition itself was fairly well equipped to trek into the middle of the continent with a plane and motorized vehicles, which is unusual for the time, and headed from Alice Springs to Il Bilba, where there was a space to land the plane named Golden Quest. The plane was named Golden Quest. An accident during initial takeoff led to a new plane being acquired and named Golden Quest 2. <laughs> Why change it? Why change it? Um, the men on the crew were all very experienced bushmen which is the term used for people who are very well aware of the outback, like they know what it's like. And a few of them were miners, M-I-N-E-R-S. So they were all surprised when Lassiter didn't seem to know the terrain very well. He acted peculiar, they said, and kept to himself. At times he was uncooperative with the group and spent his free time singing and writing in his diary away from the crew. So this expedition was slowed down by so many different mechanical accidents. So they ended up with, I think, maybe one car and they had to leave Quest Golden Quest 2 behind at some point. So they got to the point where it was going so slowly. And they reached Mount Marjorie, which is now Mount Leisler, towards the edge of the territory. And Lassiter then said that they were... 150 miles or 240 kilometers too far north of where they should be. He's supposed to be leading them directly to it. But he doesn't know the territory. Yes. By this point, it was September. They started in July. Yikes. Yeah. And Fred Blakely was so annoyed with Lassiter, he ended the expedition there. Bye. They left Lassiter. No. No. <laughs> They left Lassiter at Il Bilba, and he decided that he was going to continue the expedition with Dingo Shooter, Paul Johns, and a team of camels. Oh, so he's just a big dummy. Mm -hmm. um, and for anyone who doesn't know, camels were introduced to Australia to be farmed and bred for meat, milk, and racing, which is why the Afghan camel driver wasn't out of place in mm -hmm. the story earlier. Um, camels are also now a feral invasive species in Australia. <laughs> Because there's too many of them. No, you wanna the know, camels. You want to know another invasive species to Australia? Humans. Emus. They, at some point, I think in the 60s, there were so many emus in Australia that you could earn money from shooting them and delivering them to the government. I think I did hear about this. Yeah. Stuff you missed in history class. Exactly. And it, it was supposed to be like, we need this many birds shot. Not even half. Wow. Not even half because they are vicious animals. Like their their claws are the size of my forearm plus my hand. Isn't that insane? Their their legs are, no, are as thick as this mug. Ugh. Ugh. I don't like that. Yeah, they are enormous. Are they one of Big Bird's scary cousins? Like, yeah, probably the the Bellatrix Lestrange of yeah. the family. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So, again, Australia, three times the size of what animals should be. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to have a very hard time with these Aboriginal names. I'm so sorry. 
Lassiter and Johns set off south towards Kata Juta. The pair fought often, and at one point, even though the camels were overtired, Lassiter was determined to push on. Stupid. He left Johns to set up camp and went on his own to search the bushland. When Lassiter returned to camp two days later with rock samples and announced he had found his reef, Johns was elated. But Lassiter refused to tell him where it was or show him the rocks he had in his pockets. Johns got angry and called Lassiter a liar. A fight resulted in Johns leaving Lassiter with a pair of camels and two his own devices. Dumb. Yeah. It's weird that you're not showing me the rocks in in your pocket, buddy. I would just like to say that this episode is perfectly suited to the book I forced you to borrow this weekend. Yes! Um, it's called Something Wilder by Christina Lauren. It's technically a romance, but it's like an adventure romance. Which I, I'm I'm so excited for. And like there's their books don't get to they're not too spicy. They're like no. PG thirteen. They're they're PG seventeen. What maybe. we would call fade to black. Anyway, but it also it involves a treasure hunt for treasure that may or may not be there. I know, I'm so excited. Questionable <laughs> motives and things. So I recommend four four out of five stars, I think. Exciting. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to get a little somber for a minute. Oh, is it time for the big sad? A little bit, yeah. The big sad. The big sad. Coming soon. Coming soon to a movie theater near you. Well done. So we only know what happened in Lassiter's last days from his diary. Oh. It's obvious he did not know the lay of the land he had been left on. He says that his camels bolted and left him with no way of returning to Alice Springs. He outlines that for about three to four months, with the help of several aboriginal groups who tried to provide him water and shelter along his way back to Alice Springs, he was sure he would never make it home. Mm. He also made sure to state that he had rediscovered his reef and made sure to peg his claim. So he's like stake, he's put stakes in mm. to like stake out this is mine. He offered a few false farewells in his diary until its final entry with a curse on Fred Blakely for not sending relief as promised. Mm. Blakely was like, I never told him I would Mm -hmm. relieve him. I left him with someone who could definitely take him through the bushland. Mm -hmm. A search for Lassiter was conducted in March of 1931 when Bushman Bob Buck found the hopeful gold miner's emaciated body buried by aboriginals at Winter's Glen, his belongings in a cave at Holes Creek nearby. According to his diary, he had tried to walk from the cave at Holes Creek to Uluru or Katatuja, but obviously hadn't made it. He was determined to have died of malnutrition and exhaustion. Buck took his bottom jawbone and reburied him, and later Lassiter's body was moved and reinterred at the Alice Springs Cemetery in 1957. His headstone is that of a prospector panning for gold. It doesn't look like him at all. <laughs> it's very odd, the choice that they made. It's, it is interesting, though. There is an inscription on the front from Teddy Roosevelt that goes, quote, It is not the critic who counts, or the strong man stumbled and fell, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotion, and spends himself in a worthy cause. If he fails, he fails by daring greatly, so that he will never be one of those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory or defeat. End quote. So thanks, Ted. 
Thanks, Teddy. Thanks, Ted. My mom's favorite president ever. I mean, he seems pretty cool. I am heavily influenced by the Night at the Museum. Oh, yeah. Robin Williams. Amazing. (laughs) I Give me that Teddy every day. Love it. Lassiter's last expedition was not the final quest to find his lost reef. There were several starting as early as 1931, just months after Lassiter's body was found. Two geologists, T. Blatchford and H.W.B. Talbot, were led by Bob Buck through the region around where Lassiter claimed he spotted the reef. They pronounced the region as unpromising, but they had only inspected a portion of the region, so the possibility was there that it could still bear gold. And it's also, he never made it very certain where Mm -hmm. his reef actually was. So they can't necessarily say, well, we found what he thought it was, and it's not that like that kind of thing. A similar but much more amateur expedition in 1979, led by a man named Jerry Nolan, found a large unmapped quartz reef in the area that fit Lassiter's description. Mm. While quartz and gold are obviously not the same, sunlight could have changed the shine off off of the crystalline mineral and made it look like streaks of gold in the outcropping rock. Very possible. Mm Mm-hmm. So the story of the Lost Reef almost immediately became legend and inspired books like Lassiter's Last Ride in 1931, where a detailed description of Lassiter's time with the Aboriginal peoples is the main highlight. It's not necessarily nice or accurate. Films like Strike Me Lucky in 1934 and Phantom Gold in 1936 feature or center Lassiter and his fate, and there are even songs with Lassiter mentioned from as early as 1940. There are multiple books, both old and new, that claim to have determined the truth or fiction of Lassiter's claims, but none seem to have done so definitively. In 2013, a documentary named Lassiter's Bones dug into the life of Lassiter and documented the filmmaker, Luke Walker's own multiple attempts to find the reef. It also follows Lassiter's elderly son, Bob, who's around 90, on the last desert expedition he takes to find the gold and the mystery of his father's obsession. Oh, wow. It was nominated for Best Documentary at the Film Critics Circle of Australia Awards. And this man is, he's like 90, but he is spry. And he's going through the bushland like, let's go. (laughs) it's like okay geez so like i mentioned at the beginning how i learned about the story was through an episode of expedition unknown on the travel channel because yes the travel channel does have shows not about ghosts Um, (laughs) what i know you would never know uh josh gates who's the host is amazing and lovely and enthusiastic and makes the show an all-around great time he has never once felt disingenuous on screen which i really enjoy unlike some some people (laughs) Ugh. So I really enjoy it. Also, he looks a bit like my husband, <laughs> just ginger, and it makes me happy. Um, yeah, different font. Yeah. Lassiter's diary was recovered and is now kept at the State Library of New South Wales and is available to read online in full. So oh. if you'd like to do that, you are more than welcome. It is linked in the show notes. So the theories surrounding this mysterious lost reef are not abundant. But we've brought one up already, that it wasn't gold, it was quartz. Mm -hmm. Quartz can appear like streaks in a rock, like gold can, 
because it comes in multiple varieties. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that Lassiter was ragged enough at any point that he saw the reef that he thought that it was gold and didn't see it for what it clearly was. Mm -hmm. Because when you get close, you can tell by the crystalline structure, it's not gold. Gold appears very smooth in rock. You'll see it in the pictures on Instagram. So... Wrapped in this theory, though, is the idea that Lassiter truly believed in the gold reef being real. So much so that he died for it, which would be really sad if it wasn't true. There's also the possibility that the reef is real. In 2014, a group of geologists, quote, likened the southern part of Lassiter's search area to the Bushveld complex in South Africa, where gold deposits do occur, and said the region has high potential, quoting a 2002 report of copper gold vein style material found north of the Kavanaugh Range, end quote. So maybe he did see something out there and the area is just too large to pinpoint exactly where it could be this far out from his discovery, especially with how vague he always was. Mm -hmm. The last possibility is that it was a hoax, a farce, a lie. Lassiter was known for... Lassiter was known for his mild con man ways, potential lies about being a sailor at one point, and about his knowledge of the outback, which felt apparent to his crewmates. Mm -hmm. His conflicting stories of how and whom he was. What? How did I write that? How and whom he was. Oh, how and whom he was with. There we go. (laughs) I didn't finish this. How and whom. How and whom. His conflicting stories of how and whom he was with when he first found the reef and the sheer determination to keep it to himself to the very end seemed to solidify this thought that he was lying about it the whole time. To add even more fuel to this, Fred Blakely, the leader of Lassiter's 1930 expedition, believed that not only was Lassiter a charlatan, but he didn't actually die in Central Australia after he left the crew. Fred believed that Lassiter found a way to make it to America, and the body that Buck found was some other poor, unfortunate man who happened to be near Lassiter's abandoned items. Other theories, like uh, the dingo shooter killing Lassiter during the fight that they had, Mm -hmm. also was a theory, but then they found his diary, Mm -hmm. and his writing is consistent, and it seems to be his. So that theory was out fairly quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. So whatever the case may be, Lassiter's legend of gold in the outback lives on, with believers and skeptics alike wanting to know if it truly is gleaming in the desert sunlight just waiting to be found. And that is the story of Lassiter's Lost Reef. Thank you. Happy early birthday. (laughs) I got you gold. I got you gold. Yay. I got you shiny things. Shiny things. Shiny things. I do have a lot of shiny things. Yes, you do. No, it's gold, but I do have quartz. You do have quartz. Yeah. And other things. Exciting. I don't understand. Like, what? He wouldn't get anything out of pretending. That's my thought, too. It doesn't make sense for him to be so secretive about it, but. I could understand it if, like, he, he like, quote-unquote found it back when he was 17 yeah. and then was like, I'm going to go on a lecture tour and make a bunch of money. But that's not but what he, he did. But he didn't. So, uh... Yeah. So, there is... When I, when I was describing him and they were saying there were a lot of scars on his bald head and he got in that brawl and, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know much about his life in the U.S. Stuff like that where there are... 
blankets of blank time mm -hmm. where he could have possibly had head injuries or mm -hmm. things like that that may have made him fixate on something mm -hmm. that he partially remembered from his childhood, not childhood, from his young adulthood mm -hmm. that made him fixate this way when he was in his late 40s. Yeah. So that's a possibility as well is that he he I mean that's wrapped into the like that he truly believed it was real, mm -hmm. but there's a paranoia around that of like well what if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. Or what if they don't believe me? Or I want to keep this to myself because it's right. mine. Yeah. That kind of paranoia. And they didn't I will say the the men didn't know each other very well. They right. they were very very much strangers when they were pulled together. So it makes sense for him to be a little paranoid of like, I don't want them to take it from me and I mm -hmm. they could kill me in the outback and leave me here and take the gold and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a little bit of that too. Mm -hmm. So you got to read the book. Yeah. Got to read the book I loaned you. I'm I will. I promise. Um yeah. So yeah, I I think that so when they did Expedition Unknown, they found a quartz reef that they I think it's the same one from the 1979 expedition mm -hmm. that has been, you know, kind of marked as this is most likely what he saw based on the descriptions of the area and the the way that the rocks looked, all of that, um, that this is most likely what he saw. But there's, like, conflicting stories of, like, well, there's also potential gold deposits further down mm -hmm. and... You know, there are stories from the Aboriginal peoples that there are, you know, shining rocks in other areas, even, you know, further west. And maybe he just didn't go as far as he thought he did when he – or, like, you know, he didn't, mm -hmm. he didn't make it as far as he needed to, that kind of thing. So that's interesting to me of, like, this is a grand possibility, but then the just unknowing of, like, but we d he's not here. Mm -hmm. And he died with his secrets of like whether or not it was real. Yeah, it was I real. he's a ghost. Like if it is, if it is real and people get close, he, he'll be like, would make them think they're getting shot at so then they'll leave. Talk about a, a weird mirage to see in the desert. Little short king. <laughs> yeah, 5'3". He's shorter than me. So it's still a thing to go and look for Lassiter's Reef even today. Which is kind of cool. Maybe Woo. you know if you've if you've ever wanted to pan for gold and it wasn't at an amusement park because <laughs> I've definitely done that. Let go. us know. Love it. I would love to hear your stories. Or if you also loved the Dear America book that featured the American gold rush, uh, I reread that one multiple times. Yeah, I was I was obsessed with the um, Mayflower one. I think we've talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we have. Before. <laughs> I really loved the Mayflower one for Welcome no reason. Welcome to our podcast. We just tell the same stories over and over and over again. Yep. And what's funny is that we've also told each other these stories over and over and over again in non-recorded spaces and not remembered. Have I told you about Mount Everest? I mean, I don't think so. And not Boy, that I can remember. I got a story for you. Oh, wait. Yeah, you have, but I don't remember what it is. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, friends. Remember, this podcast doesn't exist. So are we going to go to Outback? I kind of really want to. For A little bit. Yeah. Let's do it. For real? For real? For real? Yeah! <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Get that brand.